please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we thank and praise you for gathering us together. We are mindful of the many who are on our hearts and minds who need to hear your word, to see you with them, to receive your grace. We pray that you would use us as your witnesses, that as your word comes into our hearts today, as we see you and receive your grace, we would share that word with all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Every year, second Sunday of Easter, we have the story of Thomas. Thomas, doubting Thomas, as um, he's most uh, often uh, known. Uh, although, if you are a careful student of the Gospels, uh, you will find that Thomas is not always a doubter. Thomas is known for his doubts here, but Thomas is quick to respond when met with the opportunity to do something about those doubts. It's Thomas who asks the Lord where he is going that leads to that uh, famous phrase, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's Thomas who says, we want to follow you, but we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus responds, I am the way. Today in this gospel, we hear that Thomas has a nickname, the twin, right? Didymus in Greek. It, uh, the tradition around that is not that he is uh, a twin, that he has a twin brother or sister or something. The tradition is that he is the twin of Jesus himself. That the other disciples call him the twin because he is, he looks like him, he acts like him, he talks like him, he could be him. That's the, the tradition that grows up for what it's worth around Thomas. He has, and, and what, a great, uh, what a great insight into, if that is the case, that he in every way resembles the Lord. That is the very call of discipleship. It's not just to learn what the Lord teaches, It's not just to understand the Master's teaching. That's not the call of discipleship. The call of discipleship is to become like the Master in every way. How telling, then, that the other disciples would look to Thomas and say, he's Didymus, the twin, like him in every way. Of course, Thomas is missing on that first Easter night. We are given no explanation as to why. We are given no reasons, uh, no insight into where Thomas was, what Thomas was doing, what prevented him from being there. We are simply told that the disciples are gathered in the room that they had been in before. Likely the room where they shared the Lord's Supper 
just a few days earlier. They are gathered there behind locked doors, fearful of what is coming upon them because of what they have seen in Jesus. They are gathered together, and in their togetherness, Jesus enters into their presence. The locked doors do not keep him out. The fear does not hold him away. As they come together, Jesus is with them. And he says, Shalom. Peace be with you. Peace be upon you. Have peace in your life. Shalom. May all your relationships between God, others, and yourself be set right. Shalom. Peace be with you. He has to say it twice. Right? He says, peace be with you. And then he immediately shows them his hands and his feet. And they see what? The scars. Do you guys have scars? You don't, you don't have to show me right now. We can talk about them later. But uh, um, when you have a scar... You have a story. We often think, uh, and we, uh, the, the, uh, the pattern of scar stories is that they are some heroic event that you have saved uh, some poor creature, human, uh, animal, or otherwise from, from destruction by sacrificing your life for their sake. I think, those, I think that image of scar stories actually comes back to Jesus in many ways. For that is His scars. His scars are there not because of His... My scars are here mostly because of my foolishness, not because of my heroism. But Jesus' scars are not there because of His foolishness. They are there because of His love for you, for me, and His willingness to step into the path of pain, of sorrow, of rejection, of death. Not for his sake, but for ours. His scars are a story, and they communicate the love of God for us. When the disciples saw his scars, they rejoiced. Why? Those scars are important. They tell us not only did Jesus do what He did, but He did it for us. And He continues to bear those scars for us still. 
Sometimes, uh, when, when I was in uh, text study earlier this week, we were talking about this very point that Jesus comes back in the resurrection. He still has scars. And we, uh, one of my uh, uh, colleagues, well, Pastor Dewar, who was here just a few weeks ago filling in for me, said, I really hope I don't have to have my scars <laughs> in the resurrection. And I said, how would we recognize you? You see, those scars, as painful as they are for us, as painful as they are for Jesus, they are part of our story, and they matter deeply in our lives. They change who we are. They shape us to be who we become. And as they heal and become scars, the story remains not only of the pain, but of the healing that they bring. And the love that is given between those who care for one another in the midst of our scars. Those scars matter so much that Jesus shows them to his disciples immediately and they rejoice. And then he says again, Peace be with you. It's only then that they will go to Thomas. That they will go to those that are around them and say, we have seen the Lord. Had Jesus shown up and said, peace be with you, and then disappeared, I'm not sure they would have done that. They probably would have wondered had they seen him at all. But to know that those scars were there, that it was really him, that they mattered, that Jesus was present. They share the story. They tell Thomas, and of course Thomas doesn't believe. How would you? How could you believe? How could any of us at that moment, Thomas, the one who was like him in every way, uh, the one who missed this moment, says, unless I see it, I will not believe it. Right? And so that, that becomes a phrase that we toss around. Seeing is believing, right? Um, I offer to you today that the opposite is more true. Believing is seeing. And I would also encourage you to look at Thomas. Not for his doubt, but for his desire to believe. A week passes. The disciples who have been told, go out and forgive in my name, are where? Still in a room. This time, one change. The doors aren't locked. <laughs> that fear is crumbling ever so slowly. And Jesus is about to come again. The disciples are gathered there and Thomas is with them. Why? Why is Thomas with them now when he wasn't with them before? The story only gives us one good reason. He wants to see Jesus. 
The desire to see Jesus comes before the ability to see Jesus. Believing that Jesus will come. Believing in the possibility that Jesus will be there. Believing that Jesus may in fact be alive and present among us. That we just haven't seen Him. The belief comes long before the sight. I had a friend in Chicago who um, longed for years to see something of proof. He tells the story of sitting in my uh, ordination service and there was a resurrected Jesus up on the cross in the front of the sanctuary there. Uh, Jesus bearing the scars but fully clothed in a beautiful robe with gold embroidery, uh, crown around his head, not of thorns but a halo. He said, I remember sitting there before the service began, looking up at that, at that Jesus there, that giant Jesus going, come on, just wink, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll see it. Just for me. Nobody else has to notice, but I want to see it. And I laughed with Frank, and we laughed with Frank as well, because we all want that. But friends, the reality of our life of faith is not that we get to control how we see Jesus. But as believers, the reality of our faith is that we will see Jesus. What do we say to our children at Vacation Bible School? Where did you see God today? And they share stories of playing with their parents. And they share stories of finding a bird in the backyard. And they share stories of helping a sibling with their project at home. And they tell us with words of faith, I saw God in that. Because they believe. And then they see. If we do not believe, we will not be in the places. We will not look for the signs. We will not open our hearts and minds to all that God is doing. So much of my life I don't see God in. But I long to. So many times, I never know where God is going to show Himself. But I keep looking. Don't you? There are times when the pain and the sorrow is so, uh, so present that I can barely bring myself to be where God, where the believers are. But I know that it's where I need to be. Thomas knew those doubts. He knows what it is to wonder where, when, could it be, do I dare? But he believed enough be there, to put himself in the place, and to open himself 
to what God may do. And he, like the other disciples, heard the words, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. As the Father sends me, Jesus says, so I send you. Go. Be the presence of God for others. Go. Be the voice of forgiveness for those who need to hear it. Go. Be the ones who say, we have seen the Lord for those who need that encouragement. Be the ones because you too, as believers, have seen the Lord. Believing is seeing. Amen.